Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain co-editor Dave Schofield coming at you once again. It's Thursday morning. It's one week away from the 2021 NFL draft. And it's the Jerry Cherry brand brand. <laughs> Cherry Cherry Band bring us in to our action here this morning on the podcast. Thank you very much, Jerry Cherry, for that intro. And it's a week, one week away. I know some people are ready to get this 2021 NFL draft underway because They've run a thousand and one mock drafts and they just want to see how everything plays out. There are others that want to see this 2021 NFL draft get underway because they are tired of hearing about mock drafts and they want to see the real one. And then there's people like me who's kind of somewhere in the middle, but I want to see this 2021 NFL draft more than anything because I want to know who's going to be wearing that black and gold this fall. I want to know what players I can finally fall in love with because they are on the Steelers and don't end up somewhere else. And I want to see the direction this team is going because how they draft and the type of players they take in the draft, in my opinion, particularly on offense, could tell you a little bit what the Steelers have in mind, you know, short term and long term, based on where you're looking 
at where they draft. If you're if they take an offensive player in the first couple rounds, the type of player they take there could tell you what might be going on this season. If you're talking about picking up an offensive player late in the draft, and if it's a different kind of offensive player, that could be telling you maybe some things for the future that they would like to try to do if they're trying to get a prospect. Who knows? It's crazy. It's wonderful. It's like, uh, who I can't remember who said it. They said it's like a three-day Christmas. I, I know I saw it somewhere out there, and uh, a lot of people agreed with it. It's The draft is the highlight of the NFL offseason. It really is. Um, even for someone like me who doesn't really watch any college football, just because there's so many games to watch. They're on at different times. It's not always times that are conducive for me to watch it. So therefore, I, I mainly just stick to pro football. But it's funny because I really only watched, until the bowl games, I really only watched one game in the regular season last year. And it's because I was flipping through. There was nothing on TV. Um I was, I just finished doing up, probably doing the dishes or something like that and wanted to see what was on TV. My wife was finishing putting our youngest down to, for bed. And there was a, and I usually am just looking at the guide and I happened to to see that it was, it was a game that wasn't supposed to be happening. It was where two teams um, weren't going to be able to play their opponents, both had COVID issues. So they ended up deciding to play each other. And the reason I stopped was because between the turf and the uniforms, the and the the one team it was it was Coastal Carolina, and I thought they were very interesting looking. And who were they playing? They were playing BYU, and Zach Wilson, who is the uh, presumed number two pick in the NFL draft. That's what most places have have him going. And I watched him play in that game. And I tell you what, if you're someone who um, thinks Zach Wilson is a fantastic quarterback for the next level, that's not the game you want to watch. And it was had little to do with Zach Wilson. But that Coastal Carolina defensive front, and between that and the BYU offensive line, he was taking shotgun snaps and having to basically roll out as a sprint to try to get away from defenders to have enough time to pass the ball. It was ridiculous, the pass rush he was dealing with. So I didn't see an overly impressive Zach Wilson because of the situation, what was going on. And uh, Coastal Carolina won that game. Um, so that was kind of crazy. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about geekier stuff than that, other than you know seeing a small – uh, uh, a smaller school ranked in the top 25, you know, that's, I think that's why I stopped in that game. Cause I'm like, Oh, they're ranked. I want to see what the big, cause when small schools get ranked in the top 25, that makes for interesting college football, in my opinion. But um, like I say, I don't, I don't watch religiously every week, like some people do. And that's why, therefore, I don't hear all the names, and that's why I butcher the names as they go. But what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at two different things. Um, it should be first half, second half. The first thing we're going to look at is the title of the show is talking about um, the expectations of a first round pick. And this is based off not a specific question, but based off of a debate that I saw on social media, someone brought up something. They're talking about the Steelers picks. I, I, I think it was social media. It could have even been in one of our live chats. When I'm reading stuff like that, I, sometimes I can't remember where it came from. 
And the thing was, with the Steelers picking or slated to pick in the 24th spot in the 2021 NFL draft, that the comment was, just draft a pro bowler. You know, that's what you want to do with the first round. Draft a pro bowler, uh, someone who's who's going to be a significant player for you, and that'll be great. So that got me to thinking, <laughs> how often does this happen when you're drafting in the 20s in the first round that you're drafting a pro bowler? So this question wasn't a specific question. It was kind of birthed from a discussion. Now, in the second half, we have a we have more of a, well, it, it was a specific conversation uh, with a listener and that kind of breathe that convert that question as well. But but let's tackle this one. I started to look at it. I'm like, well, let's just look at picks in the twenties. And I started to include pick 20. And then as I started to break it down, I'm like, you know, I need to break this into groups. So I broke it down into, all right, what happens with picks taken picks one through 10 uh, picks taken 11 through 20 versus picks taken 21 through 32. So you're dealing with 12 picks in the last group rather than 10 of the other. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to, you know, not include picks 31 and 32. That just wouldn't seem to be very nice. We want to be a little bit more inclusive with things like that. So what I looked at was how many of those players make the Pro Bowl. And as I started to research it, I'm like, oh, let's divide it up even more. Let's see how many of them make multiple Pro Bowls. Now, I know that kind of just puts last year's class at a disadvantage. We know that. And then I also wanted to look at how many of them make all pro. So what I decided to do was I decided to go back 10 years. So we're talking drafts 2011 through 2020. And now, of course, it's not, a, a player that was drafted in 2020 doesn't have the the as nearly as good a chance of making a Pro Bowl as someone drafted in 2011. But then again, you could have someone drafted in 2011 that over their entire NFL career, they only made one. So I thought, you know, between those things, it might kind of even out. So re- remember, we're looking at the last 10 drafts, but last year's draft, I mean, there were there were a couple pro bowlers uh, that were that were first round draft picks. At least one I know of. I, I didn't look into how many there were. Um, so that's. They could be included in there, which which could really help. But it was it gave me nice round numbers. You're talking about a hundred draft picks because it's been over over the last ten years. And I decided to break it down. So I also broke it into how the Steelers did specifically with those. So let's go ahead and build up to where the Steelers picked this year, which is in the twenties, and let's look at picks one through ten. Out of all the players picked one through ten in the past ten NFL drafts, fifty one of them made the Pro Bowl at least once. So that's 51 out of 100 top 10 picks. So you can figure that out. That's 51%. Or if you want to estimate it, half. Half of every top 10 draft pick made the Pro Bowl in the last 10 years. So to say, oh, in the 20s, I want to draft a Pro Bowler, only half of them in the top 10 make the Pro Bowl, Um, which I found interesting. Then if you go to players that made more than one Pro Bowl, you're talking about 27 out of 100, 27%, so roughly a quarter of them, so have made multiple Pro Bowls. And that's a lot of players in there that's a possibility. Even if you throw out the last two years, you're still talking out of 80. So that's that's significantly 
less than what some may expect. When you go to all pro, of course, these numbers, this is first team AP all pro. Um, that's just how it works. Um, uh, uh, when, when I say all pro, um, of the, of top 10 picks over the last 10 years, 24 out of the 100 made all pro one time or more with 11 of them making it twice or more. So 11% of top 10 draft picks over the last 10 years have made all pro multiple times. Very interesting there. So you're talking about 27% making the Pro Bowl and 11 making All-Pro multiple times, okay? When you look at the Steelers, they've only had one top 10 pick in the last 10 years, and that was Devin Bush. And he had a he had his rookie year in 2019, and then he had an injury-shortened season in 2020. So he has not made a Pro Bowl or All-Pro. So the Steelers are 0-for-1 drafting in that category, but they are at the disadvantage because, as I said, uh, the last two draft classes have the biggest disadvantage right there. So now let's move on to picks 11 to 20. Last 10 years, teams drafting players, or it's not even teams drafted, players drafted, because that's another thing I, I, I got to throw in there. Um, someone like a Minka Fitzpatrick that has two all first-team All-Pros for the Steelers doesn't qualify as a Steelers pick here, but he does qualify as one of those players that have done that. So. Um, meaning when I was talking about the first group. So here we go. Picks 11 through 20, 32 out of 100 have made the Pro Bowl. So you're talking basically a third, a third of picks in the teens in the NFL draft in the, over the last 10 years have made the Pro Bowl with 25 of them making two or more. So that's that's interesting. That's not far behind picks one to 10 of making multiple Pro Bowls. So that's kind of interesting. And when you're talking about first team all pro, 10 of them out of the 100 have, have made it once. So you're talking 10% or one tenth, and only five has made all pro multiple times. Five out of a hundred, 5% of dra players drafted from 11 through 20 over the last 10 years. thought that was interesting. Okay. Um, when it comes to the Steelers, the Steelers have only had two picks between 11 and 20 in the last 10 years. One of them was a pro bowler, actually was a two-time pro bowler. So the Steelers were one out of two, 50% in both the one plus and the two plus categories for the, for the pro bowl, but they were not all pro. And that was Ryan Chazier. Uh, he was a two-time Pro Bowler. He was elected to the Pro Bowl, even in the year that he was injured. And the way he was playing, he deserved it. It wasn't just about the injury. Um, it was That was very good that he was still voted in, despite the injury, which was late in the season. Um, the other player drafted in that range was Jarvis Jones, um, who, as we all know, didn't make the Pro Bowl, All-Pro, or even a fifth-year option. So that's where that stands. So you're talking about, in those categories – you know, a third of the players making making the, the the Pro Bowl just once, and a quarter of them making it two or two times or more in when you're picking in the teens. So now I've rolled on to the to the last third of the draft, picks 21 to 32. And this is generally where the Steelers draft. Out of the last 10 draft classes, where the Steelers have had nine first round draft picks, because they didn't have one last year, six of them have fallen in this category. Six of them has fallen from pick 21 to 32 for the Steelers. 
but they've done really good with those picks because when you're looking at it now, this being out of 120 picks, 27 out of those 120 picks made the pro bowl in the last 10 years, 27 out of 120 that equates to 22.5%. So that's a little, that's a little less than a quarter of them made a pro bowl and 14 out of 120 made multiple pro bowls. And that equates to 11.7%. So you're talking about just over 10% of your, of your draft picks in the twenties or later in the first round, making more than one pro bowl in their career. Um, I know that one, like I still say that one's tough because last year's players, they, how could they have made two of them? Now, when you go to all pro it's that is also 14 out of 20 of players that have made at least one all pro, which is the 11.7%. And there were six players out of 120 that, that was two, that was made all pro two times or more that equates to 5%, which is exactly what it is in picks 11 to 20. So you can hit home runs there, but the likelihood isn't there as much especially when you're talking less than a quarter of the picks, you know, just over one fifth of the picks make a pro bowl at all when you're drafting there. So you've got, you've got, I mean, a one in four chance, the Steelers, they do a little bit better than that because they're three for six in every category, meaning they're three for six in having at least a pro bowl three out of six and having more than one pro bowl three for six, of having one all pro and three for six out of having multiple all pros. So you're talking about over the last 10 years, there have been six players drafted from 21 to 32 that have made the, that, that have made first team all pro multiple times. And out of those six, three of them are from the Pittsburgh Steelers and they are Cam Hayward, David DeCastro and TJ Watts. And what was also interesting was when you're talking about Pro Bowls earned um, in that category, DeCastro is tied with Cameron Jordan for the most um, in picks 21 to 32. They both have six. So, and and Cam Hayward was up there. He was in the top five, as I recall. So the Steelers have done well drafting from 21 to 32 in how well those players reach these postseason honors compared to the rest of the NFL. I didn't do this for every team, but my goodness, when there's only six of them and three of them are Steelers, uh, yeah, no one else is going to beat that. Um, Just to be thorough, the other three players that did not make a Pro Bowl or All-Pro that were drafted from picks 21 to 32 are Artie Burns, Terrell Edmonds, and Alvin Bud Dupree. Everyone talks about the loss of Bud Dupree and everything, which we have to say is a significant loss. But remember, Dupree didn't even make a Pro Bowl. Um, not that that's a bad thing, because he, you know, he's he was playing well. So you can be a good, solid player and not be a Pro Bowler. So that's the other thing to remember. So if the Steelers draft a player in this draft to pick twenty four, and they go ten years and don't make a Pro Bowl, that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon. It's actually more likely that they won't. They have basically a one in five chance of making a Pro Bowl in their first 10 years being selected at that position. So keep that in perspective. Now, 
when that player ends up doing well and and in three or four years, you're like, oh, wow, they've made two Pro Bowls. Guess what that means? That the Steelers did it again. And if they didn't, I mean, look at it. If I were to say, okay, everyone's like, oh, Artie Burns, oh, they reach for Terrell Edmonds, you know, three out of those six, multiple time all pro. That's a really big deal. I can't get over how much of a really big deal that is. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to tackle something else with the NFL draft, which, as I said, is only one week away. Um, This is going to be talking about um, schools. We're going to look at um, different colleges and how the Steelers draft from different colleges, um, from something that was brought up to me by someone that sent me an email. So uh, hold on. Enjoy this little musical break by the Cherry Jerry Cherry Band and um, probably a commercial thrown in there too. And we'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back with Steelers Stat Geek. We're talking numbers. We're talking NFL draft. We're talking expectations over the career. Well, even not even necessarily the whole career. Over players drafted in the 20s where the Steelers are slated to pick. Um, and the, how well they've done. My goodness, that, the, that over the last 10 years, there's been six players with multiple um all pro selections drafted at that spot. And out of those six, three of them are Pittsburgh Steelers drafted by the Steelers and still on the Steelers, which are two pretty cool and important things. So what we're going to look at next, and this was a, an email conversation. So I don't have it framed up as a, as necessarily as a question. Um, but this email, this email conversation that I had came from, I'm going to totally screw up the last name because it's what I do. I'm going to say Rick feel. I don't know if I said that right or not, but when it's (laughs) P-F-E-I-L, it's the last name. I'm doing my very best. Might be fell, might be feel. um, I don't know. But Rick and I, we've been conversing over email on various topics uh, when he reaches out to me um, for a very long time. I'm trying to remember, he might have been one of the the people um, that... I can't remember if he was one of the got people that I emailed with that, that asked early on about Chase Claypool in the draft process. He might have been, he might not have been. Well, I've talked about with a lot of stuff about Rick. But Rick was talking about um he was looking at some some certain positions and everything like that. And it he was wanted to talk to me about schools. 
and how he's he's a guy that would that would would like to see um uh why can't I remember the name Najee Harris um to the Steelers in the first round and he started he started to dig a little bit into the Steelers drafting players from Alabama. Now I'd done some research on this in past years. I think it was two years ago. So I knew that the numbers for Steelers taking players from Alabama are kind of low. He was really surprised when he when he dove into it. So um what he was saying was that he's more apt for historic college programs that um now it's funny because he kind of broke it down. Um he he said um that that you know he said he just has some bias towards some programs like the Michigans, the Penn States, Ohio States, Notre Dame, Stanford, Alabama. Um and he's kind of biased against places from like Miami, uh just based on their past troubles and things like that. So he dove into some stuff and he did some research. I'm going to share this with you. And then I'm going to tell you what I did for research that he went through back all the way through, through the Chuck Knoll era. So he started 1969 through 2020, 51 years, only five players drafted out of Alabama. Two of them have been in the last, uh, have been in two of the last three drafts. So only three players from 1969 to 2017, and then he broke them down to me. Um, so he's like, that's one pick every 10 years. So, and then he even told me the average round, which was 6.8 out of all those players. When you take all their rounds, you average them up. And you know what? I did that for the activity that I'm doing with this. He he couldn't believe it. I wasn't surprised by it because I had looked at it before. He came back with some with, with some more data, something I... Something else I wasn't able to confirm for sure. I'm just taking his word for it because it sounds right. He says, since 1969, the only team that has drafted less players out of Alabama is the Buffalo Bills have only taken four. And that he said, but that's not counting the three expansion franchises of uh, Carolina, Jacksonville, and Houston. Well, based on what Rick was saying, that I just got to thinking, I'm like, what are the what are considered the top programs for, for having players in the NFL? I actually looked it up and I found a consensus and it was actually 11 programs um, that they had that had the top players in the NFL. So I decided I was going to go through and see how the Steelers drafted from these programs. And this was the order of the program of the programs that they had because they, they, they numbered them. I'll count them down from 11, from 11 down to one. They went Clemson, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Miami, Penn state, Georgia, Michigan, Florida, LSU, Ohio State, and their number one was Alabama. Um, this is more recently because these were talking about the number of players in the NFL currently and all those other things. But based on that list, and what these are some of those, I know I missed Stanford and things like that, but I wanted to, to, to find a definitive list that someone else had so that way I wasn't accused of, of messing it up. <laughs> that I went through and I looked at, okay, I went to the merger just because it was a good point. I could have gone one more year to 1969 like Rick did. I just It's just easy to do. NFL merger, um, it's it's a really good starting point um, when it comes to looking at statistics and, and whatnot. Now, you also have to remember that was way back when they had tons of rounds uh, in the NFL draft. So I, I broke these down school by school. And Rick is right. Alabama is by f- – well, almost by far 
the fewest. And I knew what the other fewest one was too. But this this is what I did. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read through these. I I figured out the number of draft picks, the number of picks taken in the first round, the highest pick the Steelers have ever taken from that school since the merger, the average round since Rick inspired me to do that, and the most recent player drafted from that school. So here's the list as I go through that. Alabama, five total picks. Wow. You know, five total picks in, you know, in that many years, in 50 years. Um, Zero in the first round. The highest pick out of Alabama the Steelers have ever had. Round four, pick 117 to Shea Townsend in 1998. Okay, the average round, as Rick said, was 6.8. And the most recent was 2019 with Isaiah Bugs. Ohio State, the next one on the list. This one was one of the highest ones that the Steelers have drafted from. 14 players. Three first rounders. That was the most out of any of these schools. The highest pick was Ryan Chazier at 15 in 2014. Their average round is 5.07. But the most recent was Doran Grant. Or Doran, I don't think it was Doran. I think it's Duran, if I spell it, say it right. Duran Grant, 2015. They haven't drafted a player out of Ohio State since 2015. Here's another one that a lot of people don't realize that's low on the list. Not many drafted by the Steelers. LSU, Louisiana State University, only six players drafted out of LSU, one player in the first round. That player just so happens to be Hall of Famer Alan Fanica, who was the highest selected uh, as the 26th overall in 1998. So the same draft as Deshae Townsend. Their average round is 4.5, and the most recent drafted there was 2016 in Gerald Hawkins. Then you got Florida. That's another one that's up there with 13 picks, two first rounders, with the highest pick being pick number 15, Shuey Richardson in 1991. He was higher uh, pick than Marquise Pouncey, who was also another first round out of Florida. Um, the average round there was 6.7 because they, they take more later round guys from Florida. And the most recent for Florida, 2012 and Chris Rainey that lasted a season before things fell apart. Moving on to Michigan. 12 times the Steelers have drafted a player from Michigan since the merger. Two first-rounders. The highest was Devin Bush at 10 in 2019. The average round there is 4.17. And, of course, Bush was the most recent draftee from Michigan. Georgia, nine players selected. Two first-rounders. Okay. Um, The highest – I almost messed up. It said, wait, that's not right. But I forget that list is the highest player taken – um, and this is the highest out of everyone on the list. Seventh overall in 1989, Tim Worley. And they they averaged 4.22 when it comes to the round. And the most recent pick was 2013 with Jarvis Jones. Um, some people say that's why they wouldn't go back to Georgia <laughs> drafting players there again. Then you've got the most out of them all, which is a lot of it's due to proximity. Penn State. 15 players drafted since the merger, only one first rounder. And that was Franco Harris in 1972. He was the 13th overall. Their average round is 5.4 because the Steelers do like to pick up their late round Penn State guys, which their most recent draftee was exactly that in Marcus Allen in 2018. When you're looking at Miami, this is Miami of Florida. Eight players drafted since the merger, two first rounders. The highest one was pick number 11, 
1992 Leon Searcy. Um, 4.37 average round, and the most recent was first-round draft pick Artie Burns in 2016. Then we go to Oklahoma. Six players out of Oklahoma, so not a that's just the same as LSU. That's another one that they don't draft a lot of guys. Only one first-rounder, and that was Keith Gary, 17th overall in 1981. But when they do draft from Oklahoma, that's who they draft the highest with because their average was 3.83. But the most recent player drafted out of, out of Oklahoma by the Steelers was Landry Jones in 2013, and he was a fourth-round pick. Moving on to the 10th team out of 11, Notre Dame, nine players drafted since the merger. Now, if you go way back all the way, Notre Dame is like the most that the Steelers have ever drafted, but not since the merger. The only other team other than Alabama that they have not drafted a player in the first round since the merger. Zero first-round picks. So their highest pick was pick number 46, Stefan Tuitt, in 2014. That was slightly higher than what Chase Claypool was last year. Uh, Notre Dame, they take the, their round average is 4.55. And as I said, Chase Claypool was the most recent draftee. And then last but not least, Clemson. The Steelers have drafted nine players out of Clemson. One first rounder. That was Benny Cunningham in 1976 with the 28th overall pick. And their average round was 4.44. And the last Clemson player drafted by the Steelers was 2014 Martavis Bryant. So as you can see, when you're looking at these well-known power football schools that the Steelers, there's some of them they have, they've kind of not gone to as much. Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, which is crazy because I could see a player from any one of those schools possibly being the Steelers' first-round pick this year. I would say the, the the greater chance would come from Alabama or Oklahoma, um, LSU. I don't I don't know that there's just going to be the right player at the right time um, compared to the other two. And with the with the other two, I'm talking about if the Steelers decide they really want a center in the first round. Uh, the two top centers are from those two schools this year. Um, and then of course you have Najee Harris, the running back, um, as as another option from Alabama. So that would be interesting because that would take another team off the list that they haven't drafted in the first round. Um, like I said, they have not taken a player from Alabama in, you know, before the fourth round since the merger. That's just, that's just absolutely crazy. Just for fun. I threw in a couple schools that people think that the, the Steelers draft from a little bit more. Like I threw, because it, they share a facility. I threw out Pitt. They've drafted 11 players out of Pitt. Um, since the merger, only one first rounder, and that was Tom Ricketts in 1989. He was the 24th overall, and their average round is 6.72. So they take a they try to take some later flyers on the on pit players because they have more of an inside track. And the most recent was James Conner in 2017. And just for fun, because everyone says, "Oh, they draft so many players out of Maryland." Uh, Steelers have only drafted eight players out of Maryland um, since the merger. They did draft um, – the highest ever taken was Chad Scott in 1997 at 24. Um, so that was not a Mike Tomlin pick, obviously. Their average round is 4.75, and the most recent was Anthony McFarland. But they're not all Tomlin picks. Like, obviously, Neil O'Donnell out of Maryland was not a Mike Tomlin pick. So that just gave you some perspective of the schools and some of the bigger schools. So if you look at it, not the last two that I that I mentioned, but the 11 that I went through – uh, to start Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Florida, Michigan, 
Georgia, Penn State, Miami, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and Clemson. The Steelers, since the merger, have drafted 106 players from those schools. That's out of 597 draft picks they've made since the merger. So that's 17.7% have come from those schools. So under 20%. But I did find it was interesting that with 15 first-round draft picks out of a possible 51, that um, that the Steelers have – that's 29.4%. So almost 30% of their draft first-round draft picks have come from those schools. Just kind of interesting. So thanks, Rick. You just – you started the conversation. I tried to just put some more information out there. Um, and I just want to want to thank him for that. That was that was actually interesting stuff um, to to see. So next week, my goodness, I'm going to get to talk to you the morning of the NFL draft. And if you are someone who enjoys our audio platform, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this, this is on our audio only platform. If you want to, you could hear an awful lot of me. Um, starting next Thursday, because not only will I be back with my Steeler Stat Geek, I'm going to be bringing you breaking news podcasts after every Steelers draft pick. So I'll be doing at least eight, because if the Steelers make a trade, guess what? That one's going to be a podcast as well. They're going to be very short, uh, just basically to announce the pick, tell you a little bit about them. So if you want to know a little bit more information about each of the Steelers draft picks, we will have that to you on our podcast platform. Like I say, those will be out somewhere between five and 10 minutes after the Steelers make the pick is if everything goes according to plan. So um, if you're trying to get some extra draft coverage or if you can't watch it, you just want to, but you have a way that you can check that on your phone and you can listen to it. There you go. I just, just trying to give you all as much information as possible and uh, make sure that wherever you listen to our, to our podcast, if you could just give up, whether it's a thumbs up or a five-star rating or whatever it is, where where you have it. Uh, that does really help. Um, that's the biggest thing that you can do to help our podcast platform. Cause it really does help with the algorithm and thing like things like that. And of course, as always, make sure you are checking out behind the steel curtain.com. Your one-stop shop for all things, Pittsburgh Steelers. We have all kinds of uh, articles going on now leading up to the NFL draft, and you will get a bunch throughout the NFL draft. And you know what, even after the draft's over, you're going to continue to get content all the way up to through the season. We don't stop. We don't get days off. The content's coming every day as much as we can give you. So thanks for listening to me today. And as I always say, thanks for keeping out with me. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. 
offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.